is for me, it's going to be a finance game. Um, I'm, I'm not at the point anymore where I can, um, where I can finance this out of my own pocket. Uh, you know, initially you can do that. Um, you get to a point where that doesn't make sense anymore. It's, it's, or, you know, you're going to leverage yourself at some point in some way where you cannot cover, um, you know, if you, if you do have that, that failure and we all have them at times, um, you know, I'm getting to the point where I can't just cover them with, from my own you know, savings. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Steven Peterson. Hey, wanted to talk a few moments about some sponsors. Scope from Seller Labs. Um, when's the last time you created a listing? right? And when you create that listing, you've got to come up with the keywords, right? It's all keyword dependent. I don't care if it's uh, private label or wholesale, you've got to get it right. Well, what's the best way to get it right? If you're selling a similar product that's really successful, you go and you take and use their keywords. And that's what Scope does for you. It's a phenomenal tool brought to you again by Seller Labs, the leaders in technology uh, when it comes to Amazon right now. They are just crushing it with all their products. But Scope allows you to get that listing right. Get ranked for those keywords as fast as possible. Therefore, you get the sales. So go to sellerlabs.com forward slash scope, use the code word momentum, save a little bit of money, get some free keywords to test, try it out and see if you see an improvement. If you don't adjust, what's cool about what I love about uh, Seller Labs is that you then message and say, hey, I didn't get this right, Tyler. Hey, Jeff, this isn't working right. What am I doing wrong? And boom, you're going to get the help you need. And that's what you're going to get from Seller Labs. And, and it's a very special group. They've been very, I've been very fortunate to be connected with them. And again, I look over time, they've delivered every single time. You know, same thing I can say for Karen from Solutions for E-Commerce. I mean, she's been carrying my account for a couple of years now, um, and our account, my wife and I, and she really does handle things for us. Um, I mentioned uh, just last week, we created a new listing with forget how many variations, but again, all the flat files uploaded, done as I needed. I pop in, so she'll send me a template, I pop in some information, and then boom, it's handled. Oh wait, these pictures weren't done right, blah, 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 this UPC needs it, boom, modified, adjusted. And again, the communication's been phenomenal too. I get an email pack saying, hey, this was done, or this, you're missing this, Steve, hey, you got to do this. So, you know, we have those challenges too, and that's why I like working with somebody who's been doing it, and been doing it for a long time. Did you know Karen also does listings for eBay? Yep, lots of them. So if you want to build out that channel, which of course you should, it's Q4, you should be selling everywhere you can, um, Karen can help you with that too. So you got to tell her I've sent you. So you're going to go to solutions for e-commerce forward slash momentum. You're going to save 50 bucks every single month. You're going to save that $50. But more importantly, you're going to get an inventory health report. Um, did you just get hit with monthly long-term storage fees? Well, guess what? If you haven't, they're coming. You want to get that inventory right, and she can help you with that. You got to tell her I sent you. Again, solutions, the number four, e-commerce forward slash momentum will get you into that. Save the 50 bucks. Get that inventory health report, though. That's really, really important. Get that going right away. And I don't want to miss my coach when it comes to retail orb or online orb. When I have a question, and I do, not that we don't, we don't really do much of it anymore, but when I do have a question, I go to Gay Lisby. Because why? Because she's really... She is a coach. I mean, she's really phenomenal, but she also puts out a daily list and you're going to get that list five days a week. You're going to get tons of leads. The number of, uh, 
agreed to amount that you're supposed to get, she, she usually gets to those in the four days. And then the fifth day seems to be a bonus most of the time. Phenomenal group, small amount of uh, buyers where this list is going to. And the best thing is the nuggets that you learn. Hey, why is the red one better than the blue one? Gate can help you with those questions. I saw, hey, I got, um, I got a, the dreaded letter about a brand. Here's the, here's the way you approach it. Hey, receipts, um, how do you, what's the best practice? I saw her leading instructions, teaching me, the accountant, how to do a better job with it. And it's phenomenal. So it's Gay Lisby's um, a million dollar selling. Um, I'll have the link in here. You've got to use um, the, my, my link and, and it does help me. I don't want to say it that way, but um, it's part of Amazing Freedom with Andy Slamins, Lee Ron, Hirsch Korn, and Nate Slamins. So you know you can trust them. Okay. So come out to the website, take a look at it. And you will get uh, savings and you can get two weeks free right now. Only through my link, you get two weeks free. Try it. You don't like it? I get it. Back off. But right now is the time to make money. Get cash flow going right now. And so join. You get two weeks free. The only way you're going to get the two weeks free is if you use my link. It's on this episode. Come on out and give it a try. You will not be disappointed. Again, you're going to see me in there. So reach out if I can help you too. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. This is episode 351, Eric Martindale. Um, man, if you want a, a great story of somebody who's learned some great life lessons and didn't start from the highest point of the peak, but yet has been able to climb over it and not, meh, not climb over it, climb over that one and the next one and the next one because he learned something along the way. And I think that you, if you're in this world, you have other skills and traits from other businesses, other uh, uh, education, other experiences that you need to apply to this business. And again, if you can figure out the parts of this business that those skills and traits marry up with, you will 10x everybody else in those areas. Then you just hire, and this is Eric's advice, you just hire around those other areas. And man, it just it's just such a great place. He drops so many golden nuggets. One is you bleed waste and inefficiency between tasks. Is that you? It's me, 100%, that this happens to me all the time. So I think there's so much to be learned from such a great guy. Um, I just think, what a great story. And I just no doubt why he's successful now and continues to be successful. Just a great story. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. Uh, I'm very, very excited about today's guest because I've been watching him. We met, um, I guess we met twice, I want to say. Um, definitely once, but I mean, it might be twice, but we've spoken and we share a whole bunch of things in common. Um, just a terrific, terrific guy. Great dad. That's how I measure people again. Um, Eric Martindale. Welcome, Eric. Hi, Stephen. Hey, uh, sorry, I mumbled a little bit there, but it's true. I mean, I sit back and I watch people, you know, the way they are with kids and the way they are with their family. And the number one thing, you know, it's kind of our pre-call conversation. The one thing I take away is I watch people the way they treat their family and you've got a big family and that's like your number one thing, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is. Um, I, I always say that everything is kind of built around, um, you know, the time that I have structured for my kids. So I'm, I am divorced. I have my kids part time, uh, and everything, you know, when I don't have my kids, I'll work, you know, 18 hours a day, but when I have my kids, everything is sort of ancillary. Everything it is, stops. Is, yeah, dude, that's so cool, though. I mean, think about that. I mean, think about the time that you're investing in them. And I understand it's you know messy, 
right? It can't be easy. But nope. no, but that's so powerful. Oh, anyway, I, I, I noticed that immediately and I just love that about you. And to me, um, you're the dad that I have always wanted. So anyway, very cool. So let's talk about Eric Martindale. Eric's a uh, very large seller having, you're more than doubling your business this year from last year. Yep. Um, and you're figuring it out. Um, now you don't figure it out. Here's another thing I like about Eric. You're not figuring it out on your own. You're asking for help. You're asking the right questions. You're probing, right, to figure it out. I think this comes from your military experience, but I'm interested to hear about your college experience too. So take us back. Uh, what, what were you going to do when you were in high school? What was going to happen? Oh, honestly, when I was in high school, um, I, I can't say that I didn't have a good path. Um, I, I didn't have a, um, I, I wasn't raised in one of those homes where I knew what I was going to do. I knew I was going to, you know, go to college or take over, you know, a business. Uh, we were, we were pretty poor. So, uh, it, it was a little bit muddy back then. And, um, I, the only thing I knew is my dad, um, was a Marine when he was younger. And that was something always kind of in the back of my mind. Um, I just didn't, I didn't really have any confidence back then. When you say that though, because I think this is important. When you looked at him, was he, and I know you're only going by memories and the way he talked and the way your your mom talked about, but when he was a Marine, was he, was that him at his best? Is that what you remember? Yeah, I I think, um, you know, Hmm. he was the Kind of guy that would always kind of point back to that time and he only he only did i think four years but he would kind of always point back to that and um he, he wasn't much of a storyteller but if you did hear stories it was about you know his time in the marine corps um it was late late 60s early 70s so uh you know really interesting time uh, to be in the military in in general and you know it was just something that always he always said i i don't want my kids to do that but it was always in the back of my mind. So um, I think I always had a little, a bit of a placeholder there for, for the Marine Corps. When, so as you're growing up in high school and you got all these conflicting feelings about what you're going to do, you're not sure, like you said, you're not getting a lot of direction, like, Hey, this is your path. You should be a lawyer. This should be, um, how did you, I mean, did you enlist as soon as you got out of high school or did you think you were going to go be an accountant? You know, one of my favorite things. Uh, I, I wish I had, <laughs> I wish I thought I was going to go be an accountant. Uh, instead I went to work for a small construction company for $7 an hour. And I did that for almost three years. Wow. Uh, was treated very poorly, uh, made very little money. I didn't have the confidence to, to really go and do anything else. I didn't think I was, I was ever going to do anything, um, you know, really beyond that. Um, I, I, there was a part of me that always had a hope and always was was always looking for that thing like there must be something out there but i that was never seeded into me i was never told hey you're going to you're going to do great things you're going to go do x or you're going to go do y it was more like um i've got to figure something out because i don't want to make 7 dollars an hour for the rest of my life so you had to figure that in your own how different is that for you and your kids i mean you got five kids i mean you got you got a lot of responsibility there do you, do you look back on that 
as, as something that since it wasn't reinforced to you, is that like, cause for me, I'm in the same boat and my father wasn't around. So my boys know, I tell them every single day, whenever I talk with them, I love them. I give them a kiss and I don't care what anybody thinks. I've been doing it forever. And, um, I build them up because I just, and I keep telling them, don't, you know, figure out your life for the today for the rest of your life. Please don't, you know, cause it should change for you. How about for you? Yeah, I, I remember you telling me that uh, we met in in Philly, Stephen. You you mentioned that you had a also a yeah. kind of a very negative upbringing, and um, I, I would I, I base almost everything I do in terms of parenting on what I didn't have. <laughs> um, I talked to my sister. My my sister is a an, an amazing mother, and we talk about that all the time. You know, we we want to give our kids what we didn't have. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a uh, yeah, I spent 15 years as a Marine officer, but I, I kiss my kids on the, on the cheek, you know, 50 times a day. And, um, I'm very, very soft with uh, my kids. You probably would never guess, um, you know, that I spent my, most of my career in the Marine Corps, uh, if you saw me around my kids. Hmm. You know, though, I think, uh, again, what you said, you, you want them to have what you didn't have. That doesn't necessarily mean money, right? I mean, I know that it's great to have more money, right? So you can do more things, but it's that encouragement. It's that bit of, uh, you know, learning, right? And let them get a little dirty because they got to eat some dirt because we all did and lived. And then, hey, and hey, that probably wasn't a good idea, was it? And then that teachable moment. Those little interactions to me are what really, I describe it as a foundation, right? You build that foundation and you know, maybe in your life, at least in my life, I didn't have that built. And so you keep stumbling and you're always like, why do I keep stumbling? Because you don't have that foundation. So I am making sure that my kids have, and now my grandkids have those foundations. So that's, that's very cool, Eric. And it's, it's very, uh, it's got to be very humbling for you to say that, right? Like you said, you're a big Marine guy. You're well-built. You were 15 years, you were, and you were a leader in the Marine. So it's not like, I mean, you had to get the best from other people. That's hard to do without you know, uh, putting some stress on them and stuff. So that's one leadership style, but then your kids, you're like, uh, melted. (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think because I, there was that sort of, you know, vacuum of, um, hope and positivity, you know, when I was younger, my adult life pretty well became about achievement. Mm. Now that, you know, my, I'm watching my kids grow, I could care less if, they're, you know, financially successful, you know, if they want to be a, um, well, I don't want to throw out a, you know, a career and insult anybody, but whatever they want to do, I, I would rather they be mentally and emotionally secure than wealthy or, um, famous or any, anything like that. I, I honestly could care less what they choose to do. I would just prefer they, they feel secure and healthy. It's so smart. Um, it's it, and it's not different values. It's you know, and I don't I don't blame my parents or my grandparents for they grew up in an environment. You know, think about your kids going to school today. That environment is so different than when you and I went to school. So they become part of that environment. So how is that their fault, right? Or right. me as a parent, how is that my fault? So I think it's it's that like you said, that mental uh, clarity and letting them know, hey, they are okay. You know, they can do anything, you know, uh, that's reasonable for them, right? If you're not, you know, seven foot, you're not going to be a great basketball player, right? You might be good, but you're not going to be great. Okay. 
So that doesn't mean you can't play basketball. It just doesn't mean you can do it for fun. I mean, you know what I mean? How do you then, because you are an achievement guy, or at least you have been, you've had a lot of success um, in the military and then, you know, got a big degree. I mean, a very cool degree, which I do want to talk about. Um, How do you set those boundaries? Because as you kind of sound like you tried to live up to your dad or exceed him, how do, how do you, what, how does that conversation go with the kids? I'm not they sure. must bump into it, right? I mean, have they, have you seen them starting to bump into that where they fall into your trap of trying oh. to, you know, excel and then, you know, yes. how's that conversation go? So my, my oldest is 12 and she is a little entrepreneur. Mm. Um, I, I hear that a, a lot among your, your guests. Um, a lot of them seem to have kids that sort of grow into that role and I don't push her into that. She's the only one that shows that right now, but I see her start to, um, sometimes, um, she makes money. She does things for me. She has what she calls her, her business, um, you know, outside of what I do. And sometimes I see her, um, kind of focus on things that I'm not sure she should be so focused on. So what I always tell her is, um, this is what I'm learning right now. You know, this, this, here are some mistakes that daddy has made. And I kind of see you starting to go down that road. Just make sure you know what you're doing. Make sure you know that if you, you know, you, you make X your focus, um, there are going to be some ramifications. There are going to be some, some other, uh, you know, opportunity costs or, uh, or whatever. So, She's kind of learning as I learn, and, and she knows that. We're very open about that. Um, she, she gets, when I make mistakes, she often is the first person that, that I tell. Hey, I, I just want to tell you this so you can learn it at 12 instead of learning it at 40 like I am. Well, and again, you're just showing vulnerability there to say that you're not perfect so they don't have to be perfect. I think that's a perfect example. Okay, so let's move on. Um, you... Worked at that job in construction for those three years. And then how did you end up going into military? I went to, I went to college. Um, I just knew I had to get out. <clears throat> I had, to, I was into some other kind of bad stuff. Um, I knew I had to get out of the area. I wanted, I wanted out of that job. Um, I ended up going away to college. Uh, I had enough money for one semester. I had no idea how I was going <laughs> to and I just kind of, probably the first time in my life, uh, first of many times where I just kind of stepped off the cliff. Well, that's that's a sign of an entrepreneur right there. You know, it's funny you say that because literally I thought to myself, there's a big skill set of an entrepreneur where you're, you don't know how you're going to make it happen. You don't have it all figured out, but you know, or that's the move for you. That's yeah, interesting. I never, I never thought of it that way. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I, I can see that now. Um, definitely sort of stepped out into the, into the fog. And when I got there, I got through that first semester, had no idea how I was going to make it beyond that. Got to the end of that semester and, uh, I met another Marine, uh, became friends with him. He had just gotten out of the Marine Corps, talked to him a lot. His name was Dave Hendon. I haven't talked to him in probably 20 years, but, uh, I'll never forget him. Uh, very disciplined, very principled guy. And he went with me to a recruiter and, um, I ended up joining the reserve. So I took another, 
I think it was six months off, did all the initial active duty training, and then went back to college and stayed in the reserves through the rest of my college time. How about, how different, you know, like when you went first went and you didn't have a lot of money and you kind of had to figure it out, right? And, and you didn't have, a, as you said, that, well, you didn't say it, but you didn't have that discipline and stuff. Um, and then six months later, where that was pretty much beat into you, right? Or you drilled into you, I guess yeah. is the right phrase. How different was the college attendance six months later? Uh, fundamentally. I mean, it was really? a completely different experience. Uh, I worked, you know, continue to work full-time through college. So I went to college full-time, worked full-time, uh, was in the Marine Corps Reserves, which which is very demanding, you know, beyond just the the hours they take from you on the weekends and in the summer. Uh, but I was very, very time-pressed. However, I went from being maybe a C student in college, and I, I barely graduated high school. I mean, I had a terrible time in high school, got to college and was more of a C student. And then after, you know, that first semester and coming back from uh, Marine Corps boot camp and um, MOS school, uh, I was an A student. So well, why though? I mean, cause I mean, I bet you you're a smart guy. You're articulate. I mean, anybody listening to this is like, Oh, this dude's smart. Yeah. No kidding. What, how did they pull that out of you? And how do you, you know, because I, I guess, you know, remember, this is a podcast about, you know, e-commerce and that. But what, what skill set did they pull out of you that I hope somebody can pull out of somebody who's listening who's struggling? You know what I mean? Yeah. Something I, switched. Some switch turned. What, what yeah. switch? It's not like they injected all this knowledge into you, right? Right. I You know, the, the boot camp process is, it's a socialization process. Oh. The way it works is they spend most of that time breaking you down, you know, breaking old habits, breaking, um, you know, thought patterns that are sort of in the way. And then a very little bit of time at the end, sort of building you back up. And I, I think, you know, it's, it wasn't really about boot camp or the Marine Corps. I think it was, that was probably the first time in my life where I went through something and realized I could actually accomplish something. Nope. Never accomplished anything in, in school, never accomplished anything in high school, never accomplished anything working for that small construction company. And then I got to the end of boot camp and I achieved something that I thought was amazing. And I walked away from that thinking, you know what? I'm I'm <laughs> I might be a little bit better than I thought I was. Yeah, I'm uh, worthy. All of a sudden, you feel worthwhile because um, you describe not having that hope and growing up in that environment. It can totally relate. And now, all of a sudden, dude, that's that's pretty cool. I never heard it the social socialized part. I've heard it, you know, they break you down and break those habits and then build you up. But I've never heard the socialization part. Is that is that because you're you're you have to find a way to work with others? Is that the part that you're talking about? And very it's different. Um, so I I spent. Um, I, I went through Marine Corps boot camp. Later, I went through officer candidate school and became an officer, uh, active duty Marine officer. But I also did two different tours where I was a formal instructor. Oh, wow. So I, I became very, um, I guess, very well versed in how that process works, how we make Marines, why we do the things that we do. <laughs> and when, so when I talk about socialization, it is really, um, you know, if you look at the the Spartan culture, 
2,000 years ago or, or more, you have um, you have a culture where it was better to die than to dishonor yourself, and that is really that's really where the Marine Corps is going with the um, the basic training program. It is you you are so invested in this culture that you you'll do whatever you have to do. You will you'll accomplish the mission at any cost. Um, so when I talk about socialization, it's not so much uh, you know, socialization like you might see in, in school or, uh, you know, college or something like that. It's more like we're going to bring you into this culture and you're going to learn to love this culture and do things our, our way or you're, you're not going to fit. Mm. Sounds pretty rigid. Can you apply that to the e-commerce world? Because, you know, one of the things that hurts when I see somebody step out of it and it now, I admire if they come in and they say, hey, this just isn't for me. It just didn't work. You know, there's some people, it just doesn't a good fit. I admire that. Good for them. They figured it out. But you see, I, at least I do, I meet so many people that you can tell they just have it and they just, for some reason, haven't been able to apply it and they give up that acres of diamond. They're an inch away from success and they give up. And I'm, I'm always trying to encourage people to, you know, to try to adapt, right, and, and achieve. So is there any way you can apply that knowledge to the e-commerce world? Well, I, I think there are probably a number of ways, but you know, one thing I think we, you would probably agree, you see a lot of sellers, especially junior sellers who <clears throat> complain about the way Amazon does business. I mean, if you get on, um, the seller forums, you can never see. get on the seller forums. Never, oh. ever, ever, please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was sometimes I still get sucked in, but oh, I, no, I, no, no, dude. There's, there's no, there's no, um, there's nothing good that can come of that. But you see the little, um, the little sort of ticker that pops up on your, on your seller central homepage. And 99% of those are really negative. Um, why does Amazon, why does Amazon hate us? Why does, <laughs> um, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Anybody yeah. who's been selling for a while, you see those. If you talk to a junior seller, they're always saying things like, uh, not always, but you know, very often saying things like um, this new policy is meant to to hurt third party sellers. And I think what's happening there is we're not we're not understanding what Amazon does and how they became what they are. Um, they became that way by being uh, buyer obsessed or customer obsessed, as uh, I believe Jeff Bezos refers to it as. And and that is a system that works. It's the system that grew Amazon. And Amazon is focused on continuing along that path. Um, and you have sellers that come in and they say, well, Amazon didn't, you know, hand me this on a silver platter. I'm out of here. Or, you know, I tried this and it didn't work. Um, um, you know, they turn bitter and walk away. Well, there is a system that works and there's a system that's making third party sellers, uh, you know, very wealthy, very successful. Um, but you know, you got to you got to kind of get into that culture and, and figure out what's going on and figure out what's working for, you know, for the most successful sellers out there, because uh, they're still growing. You know, you know, I'm thinking about this, the way you describe the Marines with this social, yeah. you're, you're saying the same thing, in essence, like you had to adapt to the Marine environment, love it and hate it. And I'm sure you loved it and hated it, right? There are parts of it you hated, right? It was just awful and it was dumb and it was whatever they decided, right? And it was culture. They always did it that way. Well, Amazon's the same way. And I, I think you're describing a very good way to adapt. You got to love it and hate it, 
but you gotta right. you gotta go all in on it. Hmm. Right. Right. Did, yeah. It's not. We we didn't. I didn't build Amazon. Uh, I didn't have that foresight. I didn't have that wisdom. So I I've got to kind of get it. You know, sort of marry myself to that that system. Figure out what what is working and and um, you know I've got to do things the Amazon way sometimes. Yeah, can you imagine? juggling the stakeholders of Amazon. Can you imagine that? I mean, just think about how many, what's there, 600,000 employees. There's, I don't know how many, you know, distribution center, trucks, airplanes, uh, third-party companies that they deal with, you know, FedEx, UPS, post office, uh, manufacturers, and then they're in the business of manufacturing, and then China, and how many, they're in every country, you know. Can you imagine trying to juggle all those stakeholders and make a decision that pleases every single one? So everybody in the whole stakeholder world is a winner? (laughs) No way. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and they've got competition, you know, it's, Walmart is a distant second, but uh, Walmart wants a, a big piece of the pie. So, you know, Amazon's got competitors and, and sometimes, you know, third party sellers aren't, um, you know, they're, they're not, they're not bringing the heat. Amazon will do some things to sort of burn away the, uh, the chaff. Yeah. All right. So here's my hypothesis. Tell me if I'm right. This is my thinking. Um, I just came back from a conference, Ecom Chicago, which was a great conference and eBay was there and they were talking and I'm a big eBay seller too. So I don't want to, and I don't downplay it and I love the eBay marketplace. I do, but this is where I think there's a difference. I think this is Steve's opinion. So take it for what it's worth. Amazon customers are not Steve and Eric, right? Their customers are the people that buy the stuff on Amazon. That's my theory. Okay. So the person who's buying, uh, let's see, I'm looking at something I can say, yeah, my coffee cup. The person who's buying a coffee cup is the customer on Amazon Marketplace. On the eBay Marketplace, eBay's customers is me, a seller, you a seller, Eric. We're eBay's customers, not the person who buys my coffee cup on eBay because they're my customers. Now, uh, this is my opinion. Um, To me, there's a different perspective, and so... Amazon treats you as a vendor who's selling products on their marketplace for their customers. eBay tries to do that, but my opinion is, again, that person buying the coffee cup on eBay through me is not the eBay's customer. They don't care for them. They don't give customer service for them. They don't do any of that stuff. I do. Um, and so, therefore, they should treat me as the customer. This is my deep thinking. Would you, would you agree with that? In any way, am I am I on to something, or am I way off? Absolutely, I, I think Amazon sells Amazon to the buyer. Uh, I I don't see eBay doing that. I don't really see anyone else in e-commerce, in commercial e-commerce, right now doing that. I think we're going to see Jet doing that. Um, you know, we we just saw Jet curate their their catalog, and um, I think Jet is now selling Jet to Jet customers. But r- up until now, I think Amazon is really the only e-commerce giant to do that you know you can you can walk through a store and hear somebody talk about um oh i saw this on amazon or i I can get this on amazon i mean everybody's kind of got amazon on the the tip of their top of mind 100 percent. absolutely i i I think that's a really interesting observation i would absolutely agree with And, and then so then my theory is this this is where i go is that ebay needs to embrace their customers right and give 
Yeah. I mean, and that means then, you know, treat me like a customer in, in some way. And so, and again, I'm not criticizing them because I understand that they're a publicly traded company that has board of directors and stakeholders that want to make money and all that kind of jazz. I get all that. But I, I just think that it's never going to be the same. It's impossible to be the same. They don't have the wherewithal to be the same. So therefore, embrace the business that they're in. And I think then it changes the conversation because when they start realizing I'm the customer, then it's, I'm treated different because you know, I'm back to you being the leader in the Marines. When you had a, um, oh God, I'm so bad on the military terms. When you had a, uh, not a project, that's what I think, of, but I think of our MBA, both of us. Um, when you had a, uh, what's a mission to do, right, with your team, was it Eric doing the mission or was it, did you have to rely on your your members, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's always us. In fact, you, you know, we always say the um, our failures are mine, our successes are yours. So Ooh. you, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's a, it is ultimately a you know a team effort, and um, yeah, I, I definitely see definitely see where you're going with that. I agree 100. Yeah, and if and again, if eBay would take that approach, I think they can get a lot more from me by helping me. But you know, that's just my opinion. And again, I'm not criticizing them. Um, I'm just saying that if you want to get more from me, you got to embrace me instead of uh, feel. It feels sometimes like it's fighting. I mean, I don't like yeah. to fight. So let's talk about your team because you have a decent sized team. You've been developing a team. You've been getting the best from others. Um, how 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 cool is that to get back in that role? So you know how difficult. Is it, was it for you coming out of the Marine Corps where you had a large team, right? You, you, you did that. And then you jumped right into, am I correct, right into this world? Is that correct? Correct, yeah. Okay, so you had this giant team when you jumped into our world too, right? I mean, it was hundreds of people working for you in your warehouse, right? In my... When I was on I'm a, being facetious here, you know, oh, to no. say, yeah. I, I had a, a warehouse full of one. Yeah, you, me, myself, and I, right? That was the team. Absolutely, yep, yep. So how different is that? How difficult is that? I mean, because, I mean, kind of, as you said before, is a, it's, it's easy for you when you have a lot of people to get something done, right? You just have, you know, a whole group of people and you get depth there, right? There's there's layers. Yeah, absolutely, um, I mean, I, I had at, when I was a company commander the, at my peak, I had 258 Marines. Uh, I was a, a battalion executive officer for for a period. Uh, well, I was a second in charge of a battalion with, I think, at our peak, about 900 Marines. So, and you know, in addition to the just the number of uh, you know personnel, you've got echelons of leadership. You've there's a lot of training that goes into a lot of those leaders. There, you're talking about a system that's well over 200 years old, um, so you can get an awful lot done with with a few hundred people, especially when you know they're they're following a program that's been honed for a couple of centuries. And then you know when I got out, I, I, I again stepped off another cliff and had nothing, no one, no no VAs at the time, no no part time help. Um, I wasn't using services, so it was just me and. You know, I always say that I work 25 hours a day, but in the end, you've got really 24, and you're going to run out of minutes every day. Every day, those minutes are going to tick away, and if it's just you, you can only get so far. There's only so much you can do. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it, 
as the the team is starting to grow, it's still small. Um, it's been challenging, but you know, I can see the um, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I guess at this point, um, this this is something to think about when you are that. Uh, high of an executive and you have that much responsibility and you've relied on really strong people beneath you, right? Because you don't get to that level without really strong people pushing you up is the way I always describe it, right? So there are really good people pushing you up and holding you up. So they carry a lot of responsibility and weight with them. That, um, as this is Steve talking about Steve, I became kind of sloppy as a leader, I think, and, and, and as a doer, as a worker, maybe I should say it that way. And so because I was so used to that, and then you come into this world where you're kind of by yourself and you, you know those other things should get done, but you can't get to them. And so in my mind, that stuff wears on me and it, it just messes my head up because I'm like, and, and it's probably one of the reasons I have such a difficult time with distraction because I, I can't get this stuff out of my head. Oh, I should be doing this and this and this and this and this and this. Now it's unreasonable to do all those things, right? And without that team to fill in, um, it becomes a challenge. How challenging was that for you? Oh, extremely. You know, it, there, there are a million business books and leadership books out there that will tell you that you you bleed most of your time in transition between small tasks. Ooh. And, you know, when you're, when you're running an e-commerce business, I mean, there are a million of them. There, there are just a million. I could sit here and you and I could probably come up with, with a list, you know, 10 pages long. And all day long, if you're doing it by yourself, especially all day long, you're just jumping between, you know, from task to task to task. Every time you transition, you have to refocus. You have to remember all of the, you know, the inputs that go into that task, where to find X, where to find Y. Um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it's almost maddening uh, when you're doing it all yourself. So. If that's the case, how do you address that? Because I, I think I love uh, you. And this I kind of rewrote a little bit. You bleed waste and inefficiency between tasks. When you say it that way, I mean it's just so powerful to think about. So if we know that that's true, and and you know you're 100 percent right, how do you how do you turn that around? Because you know if you and I are similar, I think in a lot of ways, um, I'm betting that there's a whole bunch of us that have the same issue. How do you start to turn that around? I don't. I don't know if I have a you know silver bullet, but um, it, it, some of those things have to be systematized and okay. handed off. I mean, they they you just have to wrap them up. You have to spend the time wrapping wrapping them up nice and neat and give them to someone. Whether it's but you wrap them up first. Meaning you test it, you do all the different things, you figure out what's the right way, the most efficient way, or at least for you, based on your limited knowledge, because somebody else could look at it and say, why are you doing this, Eric? <laughs> right? Um, but then you hand it off. I think that's a powerful thing. So it's like a, 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 a an SOP, in essence. Absolutely. Yeah, and I know that's something <laughs> something else that you and I spoke about, and I was really early in the, um, when we did, I was really early in the, team building process. And I, I made that mistake for sure, uh, initially. And I, I probably still am making it, but I'm getting better at it. Um, but you know, if you bring somebody on and you think you're just going to bring them into, to pack boxes or, you know, reconcile shipments or whatever, uh, write listings, you're going to be sorely disappointed if you don't have a very detailed, uh, SOP or process to hand off. Hmm. So, when you added those in, 
what kind of benefit did you see? I mean, was it immediate? I mean, because like you said, you didn't do it right away or didn't do it well right away, but then you obviously figured it out and you got on it. Has there been a, a benefit that you saw? Definitely. I, I think um, I, I, if I were to sort of pick a pick an example of where that's gone really well, I would say um, I'll just pick one of my VAs that has been with me for a while, and he's a great young guy out of India, uh, very, very hard worker, very honest. But in the beginning, I, I pulled him in and sort of just gave him some things and said, here, run with it. And I spent more time initially. I, I was absolutely just frustrated by the whole thing because I spent more time correcting him and trying to show him, you know, the right way and why, why the way he was doing it wasn't working. Then I, then I spent actually doing what the task when it was just me doing it myself. And so most people would walk away right there, right? They would say, ah, I just do it myself. Yeah. But you didn't. Yeah. And I, I think some of that was the, was a reflection of this, this young guy. He's just, I just knew, I knew he was a really sharp guy and I also knew I didn't hand him anything. I knew he's not an Amazon seller. So I, I kind of knew from the beginning it was my fault, but it's still very frustrating and uh, definitely a lesson in there. You know, you, you hand somebody, a, you don't hand somebody a task, you hand them a process. Oh, that's a good one too. So you hand them a process. Um, how do you, as a guy, how do you admit that's your mistake? How do, was that the Eric of 18? Would he have admitted that? The Eric of at eighteen years old would he have oh. admitted? No, 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 uh, no. The the Eric at eighteen was was just busy trying not to um, end up in jail or okay. <laughs> run himself around. I I had no maturity at that age, um, so that that was probably that was the Eric of two thousand eighteen, um, still trying to figure it out. Hmm. I I just again I sit back and I I think about what you described. You know. Um, putting that process together, putting the time in to do that, so necessary, but you got a million other things to do, Eric, right? right. How, how, do you, how do you organize those and say, this is now a priority? Because that's a maturity too. How, how do I organize? Yeah, how do you, how do you organize the time and, and say, you know what, I've gotta, I'm going to give this guy another shot. I didn't prepare him. It's my fault. So now I'm going to document this process. I mean, all this stuff comes at a cost, time, right? And you have limited time. You already described that you have no time. And so how do you prioritize that and make that at the cost of something else? Because I think that's another thing a lot of people run into. It's like, wait, I got to get this shipment out, Eric. I got to. My payout's coming. I got to get my money back. I got to, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think losing money or dipping into the red is a powerful motivator, to be honest with you. So I think, like, you know, when I brought on my first VA and I realized I was paying him and not getting anything done, and I, now I was losing the money in the investment and I was losing my time, uh, you know, that I think that was enough of a motivator. But now I'm at the point where just through sheer, you know, dumb, <laughs> you know, evolution of, of, um, of action – I, I now I I feel very strongly that I can't bring anyone on to do anything until I have a process to hand them. So if I want somebody badly enough to do my books, then I have to know exactly how I want my books done first before I can bring somebody on. So it, it sort of drives itself to the top of, um, of, of 
of my pile at this point. So it's like an added cost, right? So you know, hey, if I want to add somebody on, there's going to be a cost of time and commitment on my part. So I'm going to add that to the formula and see, all right, now it's worth it or it's not, right? And so I think that's a good um, that's a that's a good way to describe it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's step one. I, I think you know if you're doing RA, step one is you know buy buy your product. Step two is peel the labels. And I think if you're hiring somebody, you know, step one is you, you have to have the process wrapped up. I, I, I think um, it's it's no longer really about how do I make myself do this. It's this is step one. And if I don't do step one, I can't do step two. Um, my son and I this morning were having a discussion about degrees and I was telling him I'm, I'm going to be doing an interview and I, you know, I had your pedigree there and I'm like, that's a great school. You went to Villanova and you got an MBA, which is a huge. I'm a big MBA fan, but he was like, you know, he works with PhDs sometimes and he's like, you know, sometimes, you know, just because you went to school doesn't mean you learned anything. And I'm a hundred percent believer of that. Right. When you think about your time at school, um, especially at a school like that, what value does that add now to your business? Well, um, I, I'll, I'll caveat what I'm going to say here by saying it, you know, probably what we all know and it, it, education is what you put into it. So, I think I had the maturity. I didn't get my MBA until I was, I think I was like 30. I mean, it was pretty recent. It was, I think it was 36 to uh, maybe 35 to 38, something like that. And I, I had the maturity at that point. Uh, I read everything, Ooh. everything that I was, that I was supposed to read. I took notes on everything. It was very organized. And so I think I pulled a lot away from that. Had I done that when I was 22 and come right out of, uh, you know, my undergrad, I don't, I don't think I would have done that at all. So I, I, I would caveat by saying it, it is what you put into it. But to answer your question, I, I think I learned an awful lot at a at a high level. I, I still have really struggled to figure out some of the lower level things. But just in terms of you know branding and marketing, those now you know when I hear yourself or one of your guests or, you know, read about it in a book. I mean, it makes immediate sense to me. I get it right away because I spent uh-huh. three years with it beat into my, you know, beat into my mind. Um, so I, I would say it gave me an awful lot at a, at a high level. Uh, it just, you know, there's not an awful lot of, uh, formal education out there, how to run an e-commerce business. But, um, I, I, I don't know. I found it, I found it overall, uh, very beneficial. What you just described is, um, I think, is a perfect way to say it. So you're learning at a high level, and then you hear somebody on my show, one of these outliers, apply it. And then it's yeah. like you get the connection. It's like a magical connection. Ooh, give me the chills yeah. to think about that. That if I could bring somebody to somebody, ooh, helps me. Um, that really helps me motivate yeah. me because it it's just so cool to see somebody. I remember spending time with you and I was at a podcast event and, and we had coffee and I remember the lights going on. We just talked some stupid little thing, you know, like I dropped some stupid thing that I said and you were like, you immediately clicked on it and you were like, boom, 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 boom. And you ran with it. Um, and we haven't really been able to talk since because you've been so busy and your business is exploding, not because of our conversation. It's just the way that you take a, a morsel of uh, knowledge and it's like that little missing piece and you just, your picture's clear and now you run with it. Would you say execution is probably one of your greatest strengths? Yes. Um, I, I I tend to be somewhat bold. So... I think, you know, when I, 
you said a couple of things, Stephen, both on your show and outside of your show that you may not know. I don't know if I gave you feedback, but I have absolutely um, run with. But I, I, yeah, I think execution is very natural to me at this point. Um, I just have to have the, I've got to have the knowledge. So that that's probably that's probably true. Um, execution is probably a, a strength of mine. Um, where the things that hold me back is just you know learning, I guess, at this point, knowing what to execute on, what not to execute. Here's, here's something else, and I want people to hear this, because I get a lot of requests. Hey, do you want to have coffee or whatever? And, I'm, and, and I always say yes, um, but just don't make it difficult just because I'm, you know, I'm in Florida last two weeks ago. I was there, and somebody's like, hey, can we meet up? I'm like, yeah, you got to come to me just because I don't have a car. You know, I'm sitting at a resort. I'm in a mastermind for, you know. And so you took the initiative because we were talking about it, and you were like, I want to meet with you, right? And so I had to put these restrictions because I'm at an event. You <laughs> drove all the way over, it was, I, I forget how far, down into the city, paid for parking. I mean, every difficult, you know, all the roadblocks were there, and you still took the time and the initiative to come. It's very humbling for me that you'd want to even talk with me, but it, it's, it shows that you want to feed that knowledge, and there are a lot smarter people than me, so please, you know, uh, put it in perspective. But it's just so cool to me that you're like, hey, I need a little bit of information. You might have the answer, so could I meet with you? 100%. I didn't want anything, don't expect anything. For me to sow those seeds is like the best thing in the world. And I say that to everybody that, you know, and I always say, if you want to meet somebody that I've interviewed, let me know because I'll put the word out for them. That initiative is one of the reasons you're having so much success, you know? I mean, plus for me, it was a win. I get to meet a great guy. Our relationship gets stronger. You know what I mean? That, but you were willing to give up because you're a very busy guy. You gave up a lot to get and do that and learn something. To me, again, that's what outliers do. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, (laughs) I don't know if, I don't think I mentioned this to you, but one of the things I have been starving for is, and, and one of the things I think a lot of sellers are missing and don't know they're missing maybe at times is um, sort of a, those, I guess those mentorship relationships. And, you know, I, I came out of a, a system where mentorship was very aggressive. You were always being mentored and you were always mentoring. And when I stepped out into this world, I didn't know anybody who sold at all senior, junior, um, inexperience, um, you know, peer, no one, I knew no one. I think the first, I met you actually at Resonate. And, and I was just thinking about that. I'm like, wait, we met at Atlanta. Now I remember exactly. Cause I knew there was another spot and I'm like, that's right. We were downstairs and we sat for quite a while and just hung yeah. out. You know, you know, I said in my mind when I, cause I, I recognized you when I went there cause I always listen to your podcast and I said in my in my mind, I said that's my mentor, just <laughs> just like that. I was like, that's that's the guy. I mean, because you are anyway. I listen to your every one of your uh, podcast episodes. But I, one thing I've really realized is there has to be somebody that you can go to at least on occasion. You know, may, even if it's only once or twice a year, there has to be somebody out there that you can run something by. Um, you know, this is not a this is not a business where None of us have undergraduate degrees in e-commerce. Very few of us have been an employee in an e-commerce business. So there has to be somebody out there that you can, you can kind of go to, even if it's only on occasion. 
and there is and you know and again I, I'll pitch that conference too because it's uh it, I've already heard some of the inner uh workings of what they're doing um and it's even bigger uh send Jeff Cohen a note if you're interested in going that because you do have to get your tickets early because they always sell out but yeah. that conference I mean for me is where there are 150 I think they limit it like to 150 people every one of them unbelievable right i mean i don't know what your experience was that was mine and i saw talent like raw talent and i'm like oh my god they have it i saw that in you i'm like they have it they just have they're bringing something from a previous career previous life or in your case a previous service um you're bringing something special and man if you can figure out the 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 pieces of our business where that can be applied you'll 10x them and then you just fill in the rest. And I think you've done a really good job of recognizing that, you know, Eric by himself, you're a limit. Eric with a great team has been a proven formula and therefore I'm going to put the time in. Maybe that's the best way to sell it and, or to say it. And uh, I think it's very, very cool. Hmm. Think about some of the shortcomings you still have. Right, and I and I know that's uncomfortable to think about. Um, what are you doing? I mean, I guess we describe some things. Some things you're doing um, differently by bringing people on and, and and or learning. What are you doing to address them, though? I mean, or are there some you're kind of just pushing off for now? Uh, well, I, I I definitely think I I have some things. I learned this last spring that there are some things that um, I I was not doing well. Or not, you know, like you said, pushing off. I think that some of that is going to be, and, and sort of, um, I guess, give you an, an idea of what that is. Is I have pushed really, really hard to get my sales um, uh, up to, you know, I, I keep setting these goals, and they're all everything is arbitrary. Whatever it is, EBITDA is arbitrary. You know, if, if, if when you when you talk about a goal for it, everything is arbitrary. It's subject to, you know, where you want to be in your, in your life for whatever reason. But I was setting these revenue goals and I, my first year full time, I grew 750%. And when I got to that mark, uh, it was both the best month of my, uh, of my, uh, time as a, a seller and the worst. Because when I got there, I I was I realized, um, and I couldn't avoid it any longer. There were tons of things I wasn't doing. All I wanted to, to do was swing the bat. All I wanted to do was drive revenue, and I was not doing <clears throat> things like reconciliations, recouping money that's lost all over the place. And it's in e-commerce; it is all over the place. I wasn't. Um, I was hanging on to things like you. You know, <laughs> you talked to me about. Um, things that I should have let go of. Uh, oh, I, the old girlfriend. You heard my story, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I had had several of those old girlfriends that were, you know, anchors. I had. Um, I was not managing relationships. I lost a really important um, supplier account at that time. So <clears throat> the the I I let myself. I took a hit right away in terms of sales. I, I couldn't avoid that. That just happened. But instead of trying to get back up there, I've really been working on um, building those systems and handing them off for, you know, the things I wasn't doing. Uh, you know, if I wasn't, I, I wasn't really minding, you know, unit economics for, for one particular product, 
Now I am. I'm systematizing it and handing it off to to the right person or keeping it myself or whatever. Um, so I think that that's been one of my weaknesses is just go, is just trying to push the bus up the cliff, but not taking care of all of the details. Um, because in my in my former life, I had people to do that. Now I, uh, you know, I I'm I'm having to be very disciplined in bringing someone in to do that. So um, those those are my sort of you know I guess weaknesses that I'm I'm trying to work through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you're planning. I mean, are you? And I'm assuming in the military that there's a lot of planning that goes in. It's kind of drilled into you, right? Everything happens for a reason. Every step is intentional. It's like really intentional. Maybe that's a better word than plan. How are you addressing 2019 now that you're so busy, so knee-deep in Q4? Uh, That's a good question. Is that uncomfortable? Sorry about that, buddy. No. I'm going to put you in an uncomfortable place because if you're not, that's a miss. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, it, it is for me, it's going to be a finance game. Um, I'm, I'm not at the point anymore where I can, um, where I can finance this out of my own pocket. Uh, you know, initially you can do that. Um, you get to a point where that doesn't make sense anymore. It's, it's, or, you know, you're going to leverage yourself at some point in some way where you cannot cover, um, you know, if you, if you do have that, that failure and we all have them at times, um, you know, I'm getting to the point where I can't just cover them with, from my own, you know, savings. So I'm trying to get all the pieces together for uh, conventional finance. I'm, uh, you know, that's starting to come together. But that's that's been the biggest effort, and and I'm actually able to focus on that a little bit now. Now that I have some, um, you know, a, a small team. So that wait, I don't want to miss that. So by bringing somebody on who, in the beginning, is slower than you are. Right. And, and some of that's your fault. But you, it, yeah. even if you fixed it, they're still going to be slower than you. It's right. now allowed you to get time to work on your business, the e-myth model. Right. I mean, it sounds like that. That's a powerful. And how much is that worth versus, you know, reconciling a shipment or no, I'm not downplaying that. I don't mean that that's important. But how much more important is it for you to get that time to work on your business? Well, I mean, it's going to be everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at this point, you, you if you can do you know, you can do e-commerce, as you know, you can do e-commerce by yourself, but you're only going to get to a certain point. There's only so much you can do. Uh, You can get better and better at it, but you've got to, if you're not building a team, you have to be building out, you know, services. And I surely, you know, at some point, you know, Uh that's really good the way you just said that. So you build a team or build out a service, but you need the help no matter what. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, there's a, I, I think you've met this guy. I probably don't want to throw his name out there, with, you know, without talking to him, but um, there's a guy uh, I met at Boost, actually. You, you met him too. You may not, might not remember. Right. We did see each other at Boost too. Oh my God. That's three times. Oh, sorry about yep. that. Yep. There, it was kind of a, you know, a bunch of people there. So you might not remember. There was a guy there. I met him. I've been in contact with him ever since. And where I want to build a team of you know, people close to me, he wants to do the opposite. He's, you know, feels like he's done that and doesn't want, doesn't want the hassle of management. So everything for him is going to be virtual and remote. Um, he does have VAs, but does not want a single employee. So, and he's a big seller. I mean, he's, he's very successful. So there, I think there are definitely two, two extremes and then anywhere in the middle, 
But at some point, you have to be outsourcing some of this stuff, or you're going to be mired in taping boxes. And if you're mired in taping boxes, you're not uh, you're not talking to your banker, or you're not figuring out how to monetize square footage in a you know a commercial space or or whatever. Hmm. When when you describe that, I mean, as my mind immediately goes to there's differences from having a team staff as opposed to having services. Um, can you talk through anything on either one of those? Or what goes through your mind with those? Do you know what I mean? Sure. I, I can give you my opinion. Okay. Uh, my opinion, just based on what I've done, I've, I've gone through a lot of different services. When you use a service, you're almost always going to be using somebody else's system and, oh. to, their, yeah, and to their level of quality. I... I am a perfectionist, and when I work through a system, or I'm sorry, when I work through a service, I, I'm always disappointed. And I know, I'm not saying that some of these services aren't really good. Some of them are really good, um, but you're you're left with somebody else's idea of the future. So whether it's listing design or you know what, whatever it is, uh, PPC management, you're, it is very difficult to hand off your exact way of doing things, and 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 that's a probably a good example. PPC management. I know exactly how I want to do that. I, I have, I have a system. I, uh, you know, I have a first thirty days. I, um, I have everything kind of nailed down the way I want it. When I have somebody else manage PPC, uh, let me back up. When I have a service manage PPC, I cannot d- get them to do it my way, hmm. I, at all. I've tried. I've been through many of them. I've paid good money to have it managed, and I just can't get it to do it my way. But if I bring somebody in. And I sit them down and say, this is the way you are going to do this. Here, This is our SOP. And then you can come back any, every single day if you want and stand over their shoulder and say, or say, hey, bring your laptop in and show me what you did. Or, you know, I, I want you to generate this report. They're going to do it your way because you're, you know, you're, you're paying their, their rent, so to speak. So I think you have a lot more control and influence when you have uh, somebody on your direct physical team do it but then you have that hassle you have payroll and they know, get all. sick and you they bring their yep. baggage to your business right i mean that's the yep. trade-off hmm. yep. yep but but you're saying and especially because you're looking for fast growth and maximizing the utility of what you have invested right cash flow is always the number one issue in all these businesses um yeah. for you that control um is really the helpful thing hmm. i like it now that doesn't mean that they have to be in-house, correct? So in this example, that team member doesn't have to physically be at your address, correct? Right. But they do need to be under your control, yeah. and control is relative, you, you, meaning that they're only working for you or maybe one other person. Okay. All right. I yeah. like that. I think there's something to be said for actually being able to have that person sit down next to you or you know, be able to walk in their office or have them walk into yours. I I don't think, you know, you had recommended somebody in Florida, not not one of the team members that I listed out for you, but she is doing some work for me, and she and she's great. Um, I'm in Pennsylvania, she's in Florida, and that works out really well. But um, I think there, for me at least, there's definitely some value in, in being able to sit down with somebody, bring them in, show them your computer screen without having to go through one of these... Um, 
one of these third party, like we're having trouble with Skype right now. So when you use a third party service or a third party uh, software thing to, to try to communicate effectively, I think you lose something. And clearly, you know, it, it's happened to us today. Um, so I think that's a good example of something there. Brilliant save. Uh, yeah, well, no, it's true. It really is. I mean, it's exactly, I think this is a good example. So we're having some Skype problem. Those of you listening, so that's why I cut it up a little bit. But it's true. It's it's a perfect example why sometimes you can't get what I'm saying. When, when you and I met the last time, right, we sat down and we had a great conversation, right? You could hear, you could see it in my eye. I mean, it's different, right? It's so different than yeah. when we were just talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's powerful. So I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. So, you know, I think there are advantages and, and disadvantages to all of it. Um, you know, services on one end, um, probably, you know, an employee that works, comes to work and reports to you every day at the other, um, you know, people who work remotely in the middle and it all works. I, I think it just depends on what you're trying to do and, uh, you know, what your, your personality is. Well, you know, I have a final question, and I, I do want to make sure that if somebody has a follow-up question, they have a way. Can I put your Facebook link there so if somebody can ask a follow-up question, would that be okay? Oh, absolutely. Okay, sure. I'll do that. Um, but I, I do want to acknowledge this. This is, uh, I think, pretty powerful. This is a Lewis Howes move. He always acknowledges people, and, and I'm thinking about this. It, it's to be fair. I mean, first off, I want to acknowledge your, you know, your service to the country. It's incredible. Um, but as as a dad. I want to acknowledge what you're doing in those kids, um, because to me, again, you know, you're you're setting, you're changing the future of uh, at a time when it's just so important. And so, I just think it's powerful um, to watch you develop yourself. And again, you're a very accomplished person with a great education, a great experience, and all that jazz. But to see you work on yourself and then bring it. Um, and helping others, because um, I'm asking you to help somebody else, and you're like, oh, of course, 100%, ready to help. I mean, to me, that's that's what this can all be if you want to. And I and I don't want to miss this, too. If you're in the military and you've been thinking about, is this something that you might be interested in, I think you guys have such a strong skill set. You come with such a, such a discipline, such a focus. And if you take and apply that to this world, you will crush us all like the bugs that we are. Um, and I mean that in a, in a most positive way. And it's just so cool when I see other people who come in and they outsell me and they're just amazing at it. I applaud them. I don't, I don't get envious. Maybe I, maybe I sometimes get a little bit, but I sit back and I say, that's awesome. Good for them. Um, they're so lucky to find this. So, man, I, I, just, I just don't want to miss that acknowledgement for you, um, of you. Thank you very much. I, I, I like to say that your kids are the mission you absolutely cannot afford to fail. Oh, so, spoken you know, you can, very well. <laughs> you can, your business can fall apart and you can go start another one. You yep. can get fired from your job and you can go get another one. Um, it it doesn't define you, but your kids, being a dad, that does define you. And it's funny, we just, I just had this conversation over the weekend with somebody. You know, it used to be the job defined you, right? Your dad or your mom or your grandparents. Their job was their definition, right? If she was a homemaker, your grandmother was a homemaker, right? Your grandfather was a, a farmer. He was a farmer. Now I'm a dad or I'm a grandfather. You know, I mean, that's, that's how I define myself. And so it's cool to hear you say the same thing. Okay. So here's my last question. I ask it every time. So you probably heard it 340, 350 some odd times. Um, 
the goal of the podcast is to help people who get stuck. And I think you've offered a lot of great advice on that. What's the one thing that you would want people to take away that if they hit that point of stuck, because you have, I know I have, what's the one thing you want them to take away? Well, um, probably not the direction I, I originally would have gone, but since we've kind of been on a sort of a theme today, I, I might actually add something a little bit different. I recall, and this popped into my mind when we were talking earlier, I recall watching Ryan Moran speak um, about probably three years ago, and he talked about doing what makes you money or what pushes your business forward and getting rid of everything else. And I I have this, this sort of thought I can't get out of my mind recently, but e-commerce and everything almost, most everything, most every business is full of $13 an hour tasks. And you have big sellers that are pricing their products based on the fact that the work that goes into it, they're paying, who knows, 12, 13, 14, $15 an hour. Those are the things that you have to get rid of. Because if you're still doing those, if you're still packing boxes, you're working for $13 an hour. Because you can't get around the fact that your competitor is is able to price based on, on that rate. So you can't, if you want to pay yourself $40 an hour, you can't be doing those things. You yeah. have to, even if you just hire a family member or, you know, go to your local high school, I think that is a really, really good one. Go to your local high school, ask a guidance counselor and say, who needs money after school? Who can work for me for three hours, you know, three days a week after school or Saturdays? And you have to start getting rid of those $13 an hour tasks or you, you won't grow. So such good advice. And it, it's just so when you say it that way and you're not belittling because you used to work for $7 an hour, right? You're not saying yes. that. You're just saying, hey, yep. now I'm worth $40 an hour or $100 an hour. In my case, it's $350 an hour. So, uh, so <laughs> and I'm teasing. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's a very cool place to get to. And then it's a mental shift. And then it, because, man, you hire a high school kid at $13, $14, $15 an hour. That's an awesome yeah. job, right? They're all of a sudden, that's not flipping burgers. And they're learning a skill. And you might put a spark in them like you have with your daughter. Dude, ooh, yeah. you give me the chills. You take a high school kid, pay him $13 an hour, and sit them down for 10 minutes in the beginning of their shift every time and teach them something, and they will hustle for you. It's amazing. But you don't know the ripple effect that that's going to have in their life and in their family and in the future. Oh, man, it's like yeah. the yeah. butterfly effect all over again. Eric Martindale. Dude, thank you so much. I know you're so busy, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. I wish you nothing but success. I know you'll have it because you're a learned individual who's willing to put in the time, willing to drive all the way from your house, all the way to Philadelphia early in the morning. I mean, because it was early. And have coffee, listening to me, yap and yap and yap, and and then run with it. So again, you're just going to crush it. And I'm just so excited to, to watch and, and very fortunate to get to know you. So thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. Stephen, the pleasure is mine. And I mean that. I look forward to talking again. What a great guy. I see so much of myself in Eric, um, yet he's much better looking. Um, he has definitely figured out um, what he's good at and he, what he's not good at, embraces what he's good at doesn't just embrace it, like fine tunes it. So he's really great at it. And if there's a lesson that I'm taking away from this conversation, it's that. It's one of those things that I'm good at a whole bunch of stuff. The stuff that I'm really good at, I could be better. And I'm going to focus on that and just get better and better and better at that. 
and then hire around the rest. I think that's a powerful statement, um, and it's self-reflective as I look at myself. Um, But if you see some of that in yourself, remember, you bleed waste and inefficiency between tasks for sure. So that's why you got to complete the task and move on and and make it as efficient as you can. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.